What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Swingman Podcast. It's podcast number 121. As ever, I'm your host, Jorset Ledger. Joined as I am all the time by Louis Halpin and Lewis Howard. Now, I'll confess at the start of the show, this has been a bit of a, a manic one for myself personally. I've got in just about 15 minutes ago and set everything up, um, and I forgot to put my headphones in. So as I say, as always, Louis and Lewis, how are you doing? Explain it through whilst I connect my headphones. They're not too yeah. bad. So we had some absolute banger series to get into, especially a, a certain game seven. I'm sure we'll talk about a certain man where greatest point guard of all time has, has been doing the rounds. There's, there's stuff like this always does when someone of his stature has a has a great game. We'll, maybe we'll get into that, maybe we won't, but we've at least got some bangers and including, you know, a bit of Dylan Brooks slander, I'm sure, will come as well. Yeah, nice long weekend. We should mention as well down here in the in the UK. So feeling uh, pretty relaxed. Could also stay up to watch some of these uh, fine events. Well, some of them are at some reasonable times these days. Actually, it's the uh, the West Coast ones, that Sacramento Golden State one, which has been kind of difficult to follow uh, throughout the series has been on. But we got to watch uh, Game Seven at a pretty reasonable time. So that was nice. But yeah, this is a. Uh, there's been some interesting ones, hasn't there? We're, we're kind of getting into the thick of it right now. And I honestly feel like, I mean, going into this playoffs, I was pretty confident that the Bucks were going to win the championship. So it kind of thrown all up in the air at the moment. I'm back. <clears throat> I am back. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so I, I like yourself, Louis, was in, a, I'm in agreement that I was expecting uh, the Bucks to win it all. So it is a spanner in the works of, of what has occurred. Um, I missed <clears throat> the Steph Gamer last night, 50-pointer. I was away. Mm. Uh, and I haven't even seen highlights. The lit- this is the least I've been involved in like the playoffs yet. So all I know is Steph dropped a 50-bomb. And I saw one of you, te- I can't remember what one it was, that the Kings were doing a chunk job. Um and then I saw that the Miami Heat won and that maybe Jimmy Butler got injured. That's what I've seen. If if that's wrong, then I'll hold my hands up. But that's that's what I've heard. Yeah, we'll get in. I we should probably talk about the Bucks one first because that, that happened the, the longest ago. But in, in terms of the Jimmy injury, he, I can't remember who it was, but someone like stepped on the back of his fur and he rolled his ankle as he was driving to the basket. It didn't look like it was too bad but with those ankle injuries you can never be certain like sometimes someone's fine for the next game sometimes they miss a few weeks because they've done something to what to their ligament or, or they've sprained it something like that but as, as the performance overall as you two said i also picked the bucks to win it all i think in our bracket we haven't to win it all i assume if we if we all picked it and over the season i think i've slandered the heat quite a bit about mainly about how their offense is run and how sometimes it can be pretty horrendous but, you know, you got to hold your hands up and say the playoffs. Jimmy Butler just took a couple of the games over. We've seen a couple of, of the all-time great playoff performances for a while over, over this past like week or so. And one of them definitely belongs. Well, he had a couple, but the 53-56 definitely that helped him win is the one that stands out. And also, we were talking, I know we were having a conversation about choke jobs and what, what you have to do or teams have to be to qualify for a choke job. And <clears throat> even though Yanis had a massive game and he was carrying a bit of an injury, 10 of 23 is a bit of a choke job. Uh, line. It's, just, it's just not good enough. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the I, I did see the clip about um, 
that was going viral in terms of Yanis being like, uh, this is what failure is. We posted that on the on our YouTube channel anyway, but um, it was more of that. I do agree with him in part, but I also don't. Uh, the season, if you if you look at it as a whole, no, it's not. But if you look at it in a isotopic situation of that season, of course, it's a failure. The first seed goes out to the eighth seed. It is a failure of a season. Yeah, it's, it's not. It, it's not anything else than that. It is black and white. Yeah, and I guess the the comeback would that be? Um, he didn't play in a couple of games. He maybe wasn't right in the games that he did play. I guess. Um, I don't think that was the overriding issue, and I think that overall, I think I said it in the last podcast. I think that the Heat, sh- the Bucks, sorry, should have had probably enough to get through the Heat without Giannis. Even there, they won Game Two, obviously blast them out with like a ridiculous scoring shooting percentage, which wasn't going to be replicated. But um, I think a lot of the, I mean, I, I don't like to go too hard on like coaching decisions because I don't think overall they're that important. I guess when it comes to you know. When it comes to basketball anyway, it's a bit different when you we'll talk about football or something like that. I feel like the coach can only do so much, um, draw up plays, etc., rotations. But I do feel like there was just some adjustments that needed to be made at some stage. And I think it was I think we've had this a couple of times where um, I think it was against the Heat where they've been like, Well, Yanis is the best defender. We're supposedly one of the best defenders in the league. Defensive player of the year before, obviously, why did he not guarding Jimmy Butler one on one? That type of thing. That's just not how their system, their def- defensive system works. So I can understand why their he Bodenhauser is reluctant to come away from it a little bit. But I think at some stage there did need to be an adjustment made because I think there wasn't. I mean, the Heat weren't going to win that game unless Jimmy Butler like carried them over the line, really. And the way he was just driving at. You know, he wasn't scared of Brooke Lopez in the paint, and that's one of those, the best rim protectors you're going to get in basketball, really. He wasn't scared of Drew Holiday guarding him whatsoever. So I think something needed to be done at some stage. But, you know, um, yeah, I, I think it's definitely a failure from an isolated standpoint. Of They were the massive, overwhelming favourite. They were probably the favourite to win the championship overall, and they've got the best player in basketball. So you would say, um, well... What what people you know people I guess we'll we'll debate that now but like yeah. one of the players in basketball you, when when you have that people will be like oh they should win an NBA championship or at least get to the NBA finals so to go out in the first round to a team that uh, lost to the Atlanta Hawks, Hawks in the play and everyone was writing them off don't think that can be really written off I understand what he means in terms of you learn from your failures but. That doesn't mean it isn't a failure if that makes sense. It's just like you learn yeah, from it. <laughs> Like so, yeah. my, my my only take from that whole series, there was a few weird things. Obviously, the last game with Coach Bud saving his timeouts for next year was a strange decision. But in general, like Pat Connaughton and Joe Ingles playing as much as they did, and Grayson Allen, uh, Jay Crowder Jay playing nothing pretty much the whole season, uh, the whole series, I should say, not the whole season. Yeah. Um, and then I, I was quite disappointed in Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez in that series. It's just uh, the whole Bucks team was in general disappointing. Um but it's more of that if Drew Holiday is going to be like this sort of I'm the main defender of this team, excluding Yanis in the in, in the perimeter side in the in the paint side of things. I was hoping for a bit more of it. I know you can't stop like greatness when it happens, and that was what this series was necessarily for Jimmy Butler. But it was a bit of a blemish to see Drew Holiday sort of. I mean, Jimmy Butler was toying with him at the end of it. Yeah. That's how he was sort of saying it. And coming out in, in a press conference and be like, I'm seriously considering retiring in two years' time. That sort of speaks to the mentality of which Jimmy Butler got the heart of this Bucks team in. But we won't um, we won't sit on this series long enough. Uh, we'll talk about the Lakers getting rid of the Grizz. Um, 
bit of a toss-up, I'd say, when we were deciding if we who we thought were going to go through from the Lakers and the Grizzlies. It is mad to think that there was so much... I wouldn't say slander on the Warriors, but there was a lot of slander on the Lakers at the start of the year and throughout the year. And now we've got a Lakers-Warriors where one of them's going to end up being in the conference finals for it. Uh, everyone's excited, I'd imagine, to see this playoff series <laughs> that comes around, fifth time that they're matching up. Uh, how are you feeling around the Lakers getting past this? And now, obviously, well, we're going to talk about the Warriors later, but how are you feeling about this today? Yeah, I mean, the Lakers deserve this, everything they that was said about them at the start of the season and throughout the first half, to be fair, because they were terrible up until the trade deadline and they made their changes. But now, obviously, they beat the Grizzlies. I think, uh, did we pick them as a whole to go through? I feel like we did. I think I we did. The Grizzlies. Yeah. I picked the Grizzlies. I think, yeah, yeah. I think me and you Grizzlies, said Lakers. I think me and you did, yeah. yeah. And, I just quickly, uh, da- Danny, there will be a server video. It will just be after this a little bit later on, probably in around an hour or so. So, yeah, no worries. Yeah, and I think the... One of the main takeaways, well, two of the main takeaways was one, I think I said this throughout this series, was you you see the value the Lakers have in their role players and, and the squad as a whole, as opposed to just looking at your two stars, because this wasn't a vintage LeBron series. They didn't play badly, but he didn't take over the series uh, like Jimmy Butler did against against the Bucks. You saw, you know, Rui had his big games. D-Lo had his big game last, uh, last to close them out. Austin Reeves had some big games. And when you've got a squad like that, along with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, then you do have the recipe to be able to go far in the playoffs. And on Anthony Davis, I think the other thing that really stood out to me was just how fantastic he was on the defensive end for them. I think the total blocks he had, I think it was 24, is the most in a six-game series in the playoffs for like nearly a decade. And just that and the steals together and just how well he played against that Grizzlies team consistently, which is what you want to see. He didn't score, you know, at, at the level we want him to consistently and that he'll probably have to for them to really go far in the playoffs. But on the defensive end, he was just a monster and showed that when healthy, he is a cut above even a lot of these people that we, you know, put forward for defensive player of the year and win defensive player of the year. It's like I say, Jaron Jackson Jr. or Brooke Lopez. AD, when fully healthy, is just on a different level to them. Yeah, and um, I'll approach it from the Memphis standpoint. Um, I think there's a few things this team needs going forward. Obviously, they're missing a couple of players, we should say, um, and that kind of shifts the whole axis of their team because it means Jaron Jackson has to play the five and obviously talk about the loss of Steven Adams, who's a big physical presence in there, and also leading into it, um, I think he's kind of the emotional leader of this team a little bit, and when you see well, so that he's a young missing, call. It's a big yeah. young call. And I think they're kind of emotionally a little bit immature when it comes to these. And I, I think I fought it last season as well in the playoffs when they were, you know, hitting the gritty against the Timberwolves when they, you know, yeah. should have probably <laughs> lost that series. Um, and obviously the whole thing with the Warriors, they've they done well to get that series as far as it did, to be honest. But there, there was a lot of, lot of smack talk in there. And then, there's a whole Dylan Brooks thing, which is a, another angle from it. I don't really care that much about the poking bears type of thing because I think the Lakers were just locked in. And I, I don't I don't think that a Dylan Brooks comment is going to make LeBron go supernova, if I'm quite honest. It's the playoffs and yeah. it's LeBron James. That's, that's what it is. Um, but he is also one of, unfortunately, probably one of the leaders there, one of the older guys. And I just think they lose themselves in games sometimes, especially offensively. And if you look at uh, the, the points totals there, um, I mean, it was a 40-point blowout. Let's, uh, let's not 
you know, sugar-coated. Dre, they got absolutely up, dismantled. Yeah, yeah uh, they got chased out of the arena. So uh, there, there, there needs to be some adjustments there. I think not every game needs to be this big sort of statement. Like, they think it is like the whole world's against them. That's, that's the one thing I will say. But I also do think they need a piece, uh, like a, another scoring piece. And I know there was the OG Ananobi rumours, uh, trade deadline time, and I think that would have been decent for them. Not that I think it would have got them over the line here, but someone who can hit a shot more reliably than they have going on here a little bit and obviously bring some defensive presence as well. But, I mean, if Stephen Adams isn't going to be reliable next season as well, I think in, they're going to have to get a big, because I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is better placed when he's roaming and he's in that powerful position. Completely. But regardless, the, 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 the Lakers deserve this quite thoroughly in the end. And I think that game, yeah, the game five was a kind of out of character for them. I'm not sure if they're kind of easing the foot off the gas. Like I said last week, I think one of the bigger concerns I have for them is their health of LeBron and AD going forward. Um, and they're going to need to manage that, obviously, but they've got a big series up next. And I don't think that's quite as possible. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, my takeaway from this is basically that, I mean, they're going to have some off-season moves with everything going on with their contracts mm. with Dylan Brooks and a few things like that. Uh, a, a big one will be with Stephen Adams as well in terms of his reliability and health moving forward. But I mean, you've got Jar and you've got Jaron Jackson Jr. Just build around those two. That That is the Desmond core Bain. Desmond Bain yeah. was one of the players that actually impressed me this series for them, actually. Uh, yeah, there were moments for it, but it's it's more of that. Uh, yeah, I think there's 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 more pressing issues than if Desmond Bain is going to be at the level to play alongside in the future of a championship with Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant. I'm not necessarily sold on him. I'm more I, I like the Tyus Jones as a backup role. Yeah, and I know really Desmond good. Bain and him are different, but I'm I, I would be more looking at sort of building pieces around that complement jar and jaron jackson jr and they can play in their positions that you see the best out of them from not like this series where you had to see jaron jackson jr like you mentioned Louis, playing mm-hmm. at the five and, and not as well as he could at the four we'll move off of this series as obviously we've now got it we will speak <coughs> about the warriors in the kick oh, we we touched on the warriors in the kick did we touch on it i'm actually remembering now Am I uh, bugging there? We, haven't, we haven't talked about right. games we didn't talk about the actual series right so run me through so i got up to I didn't see this. Actually, we'll talk <laughs> about that after. I didn't see that. What did I see? I saw, where are we, Sunday the 30th? Yeah. Run me through the game seven. Give give me in sort of, give me two bullet points, both of you. Lewis, you go first. Right. Well, two each or you want the one? Yeah, two each, two each, two each, two each. Because the two, two is easy, right? So so the first one is stiff. is just absolutely unbelievable at 35. Like, 50, 50 <laughs> right, yeah. Shot knows that one. That. That was easy. And the, and the other side, I, I think this is pretty straightforward. The other side is the Kings in that second half were absolutely terrible. And like At the halftime, everyone thought, oh, Sabonis is having a pretty good game. I think from half to, I think at halftime, he was 16-5-5. And at the end of the game, he was 16-8-7. So Oof. that shows you did how much production trouble? he gave yeah. on the second half. Yeah, he did. He did. And so did Aaron Fox. I think they both ended with five or five and four. But the, the Kings have. absolutely choked the second half. He might have stiffed you there. So I want two alternative bullet points that isn't yeah, Steph's no. amazing and Sabonis had a bad game. No, no. no out of Sabonis, the whole team choked. The whole oh, team okay. choked. It was not just Sabonis. I mean, uh, I can't give you too many different... I'll give you more specific examples, I guess. Um, I think on the Steph point, I think he probably looked around and he looked and he was like, no one has it today. Uh, 30, <laughs> oh, sorry, about to say, thir- I didn't look at the box score, but 38 yeah. field goals. 
Well, I mean, that is also, just to, to point out, a record for a Game 7 in the NBA history. Mm-hmm. Is in it? The playoff right. history. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. record amount of points scored. So, yeah, he looked around. Clay did not have it. Um, and when he did get a field goal, Steph was celebrating like mental, looking at wigs, not feeling <laughs> it either. Um, and Draymond's Draymond. Jordan Paul is I on the verge of unplayable at this stage. Like legitimately, he's pl- playing really, really badly. Yeah, so um, when you said unplayable, then I'm like, oh, is he bombed off? And then so he took nine shots. I was like, oh, you yeah, mean he, unplayable, terrible? Yeah, he yeah. has been rubbish. Like actually yeah. rubbish. There, there is more there than than we can see. Like the, the underlying issues that they had from the Draymond incident, something, yeah. some repercussions have come from that because you can just tell. Not even just him playing badly, just the body language of all the players, there's something wrong. Yeah, it's not just... I think the other players are getting a little bit annoyed. I'm not sure if it was this Game 7 or the Game 6 before, which I was surprised that the Warriors didn't win at home in the Chase Centre, actually, anyway, and and close that series out there. But um, it was a clip of Steph saying about how... Again, getting a bit too emotional. Um, other than that, he's just turning over the ball too much, not efficiently scoring whatsoever. I think what uh, my first one then... Um, the other Warriors didn't have it, particularly Jordan Paul, and that's something to look forward, look towards in the future. I don't think, you know, Clay's going to have a bad game. Well, he was good this series on and off, but I don't think he's going to have quite as bad a game, but that's something to look at particularly. But the other thing I think I will say is that um, no Monk for the for the Kings couldn't get him going, and I think that's eventually what kind of tailed him off because that's he's been the second best player of the whole series. And, you know, with the, I kind of, guess extended workload he's had to carry because De'Aaron Fox, you, you can say he maybe choked in the, the second half, but he, I don't think he looked right with that finger, obviously. Yeah. Which is yeah, a real shame. That context in. Yeah. Which is a real shame because, you know, he was having a great series, really sort of like a coming out party. And I don't think it's not a coming out party for him now. I think he's kind of proved himself to a certain extent. He'll obviously have to go and then take another step next year. But I think you can sort of count on him. I mean, he's had a better show than John Morant. Let's just say that. So, yeah, and then, you know, Kevin Hurt has not been playing well either. But that's what I would say. I think if they were going to win this game, Malik Monk was going to have to have another gamer and he just didn't. So that's unfortunate. And I think they'll feel gutted because they obviously were leading this series and were in sort of like a pretty imperious faction going into that game three where Draymond is obviously suspended. You think, you know, they could close this out pretty quickly here if they play their cards right. Um, so it's a bit sacramentally to then <laughs> to then falter, but it's Golden State. It's Golden State yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. The thing I'm looking at here, and obviously I haven't watched this, but I mean I know Kevon Looney was a bit of a monster on the board throughout the whole series. Mm. But if you're if you're getting out rebounded by the Warriors, something ain't yeah. right. Essentially, something yeah. ain't yeah. right. I mean Looney, and that, that's Looney that, that's what's on the screen right now. The Kings' lack of re- defense rebounding was painful to watch. You'll never win a game like that. That that's yeah. a mental thing for me. Looney had a massive series and, you know, give him all the credit in the world because he, I feel like he's been getting more recognition as the years have gone by when, when people have picked up on it. But he, he really did a great job on Sabonis this series. Mm-hmm. And you saw, I saw at half time because Sabonis was playing well. He, he was the King's best player in the first half. And a few people were tweeting like, oh, Sabonis is actually playing like he's the biggest man in the call for once. But, and then the second half came around, it was like, well, you know, it's back to, well, a worse version of what what we've been seeing throughout a few games in this series, and you know the King, the Kings are a young team; they're a new team. They'll learn from this. They they should get better. But yeah, you know, this was a real opportunity 
the Warriors, yeah. even though they are, you know, the storied team. They've got Steph, who is one of the best players in the world, and they've got such experienced players. They did have the tools to be able to win this series. It's just those minute details on with, as I said before, Steph just being one of the best players in the world, just managed to push the Warriors over the line. Well, it's going to be, like, and I was actually just going to move on to this point because obviously we we spoke about the Lakers already and now we've discussed, yeah. obviously, the, the Warriors going through. I think Looney will struggle against the Lakers, be a completely different series. Yeah, I mean, Sabonis and AD are not going to be the same type of opponent no. for him. So that's going to be a whole different kettle of fish for him to deal with. But I mean, Warriors-Lakers, that is the NBA. Adam Silver has absolutely <laughs> had a field day with that one because that's going to pull in ratings like no tomorrow with the amount of Steph v. LeBron marketing we're going to see now. Yeah, and I think that's what we, with the Lakers in every series, I think we always, or any matchup game, whatever you want to call it, we always say the X factor is, you know, what's the level AD is going to come at? And if he is playing like he was in that last series, although, you know, he might not have the biggest scoring numbers, he'll still be reliable for a decent amount of points and they'll have a couple of games where all go off. It's that defensive and physical monster that we want to see that we saw in the Grizzly series against the Warriors. And if he does come like that and add some scoring as well, then that's just something that the Warriors cannot deal with. Looking the other way, obviously, Steph is something the Lakers can't deal with. So it will be not only just them two, but what the role players and, and the other people in the unit Obviously, LeBron being a star on on the Lakers as well swings it maybe a bit in their favour when it comes to that. But who is going to step up and be able to provide the the team with enough to win those sort of gritty games where you know there's only a couple scores in it and it comes down to you know, your turnovers, your offensive balls, how much effort you're putting in. I think that would really be the tell for the series. Completely. Yeah, you could. Um, oh, you could say about the sort of like physical nature that the the physical advantage that the Lakers have over uh, the Warriors which I think is fair but the reason they have that physical advantage is that the Warriors can go smaller and they can push the pace a little bit which is I think what the Grizzlies didn't quite do enough against the Lakers because I don't think LeBron and AD want to be running um you know all the time they don't want to make it a basketball game in a little in a literal sense they wanted to make it slow grind it out a little bit more so I think in that sense, the matchup may benefit the Warriors to a certain extent. I think I favour the Lakers actually a little bit just because I think that physical nature. And I, I, the, the list of guys that I trust on the Lakers and the list of guys that I trust on the Warriors, I mean, the one the Warriors one dwindles kind of every day, but the Lakers one kind of keeps extending as those games goes by because, you know, you had your Rui Hachimura game, games really in a couple of those series, which is something we just weren't expecting. Um, D'Angelo Russell was obviously really important in that game six close game six close out against the Grizzlies. I think we're still yet to see a Malik Beasley, a nice little one there. Dennis Schroeder can come with a big game. I just think they have more players and it's kind of why I prefer the Nuggets as well against the Suns, which is another series, but I think I favor the Lakers there a little bit, but uh, you know, I, I it's the same with every single series. I think if you extend the series a bit and make it more intense, um, get the Lakers really working. That's something that will go against the Lakers a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking for, for either one of those sort of whoever comes out of that. I'm not going to be like, wow, I can't believe they didn't win. I think that's just going to be a great series. It is going to be a matchup of sort of you, obviously your big stars are going to have have a big piece of this, but 
the Lakers sort of depth has almost been more mm. impressive than what we've expected of the Warriors. And that's what's been a core thing of the Warriors winning chips and the recent yeah. success of that they've had. So it's going to be a fascinating watch. The only bad thing is it's going to be really unfortunate for us to watch it UK yeah. time-wise is the only yeah. thing that comes with it. Um, is just mud. Yes, it's absolute mud. Uh, right, I didn't get to see this game as I was oh. away, like I mentioned before. So give me, actually, I just want one sort of, I want a headliner from the both of you here. Just brief sum it up for me. Lewis, you go first. One. Uh, one. Well, there's a one. certain person I think I wanted to talk about a lot, but I'll, uh, I'll I'll spin more on the positive side and just say Jamal Murray is him. We'll go. We'll go with that. Okay, Jamal Murray's him. Louis, what's yours? Uh, <laughs> going on the more positive side, <laughs> I guess I'll just say what I said last week. The Suns have about three and a half players, and it's... <laughs> going on the positive side and comes up with the Suns have three and a half. No, players. I mean I was going the opposite route, oh, um, right, which okay, kind right. of it gives. Because uh, you could just go for the obvious, and I think the obvious there is a critique of DeAndre, and, but yeah. I think it's a wider issue than just him. It was, I yeah. think, yeah. So that 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 would be my one quick takeaway. But there's, I think, there's more to talk about here. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the one thing that I saw, because again, I haven't, I have not even seen the highlights of these games. Like, I'm, if I can't watch a game or watch any of the playoffs, I'll at least see highlights and then have an understanding of where mm. the positives and the successes and the negatives come from. The only thing I've seen all over Twitter is that pretty much in, in no uncertain Louis terms that DeAndre Ayton was a bum that game and he got absolutely roasted for yeah. it. Uh, and that's it. That's all I saw. Yeah, I mean, the one play that really encapsulated the game that was doing the rounds on Twitter was where like, Jokic just missed a shot and he managed to grab like three offensive rebounds in a row and try and tip them in. He didn't even he didn't even get a field goal. Try for it. While it's going on, you just see DeAndre Ayton off the side, just staring yeah. at it while it's going on. And that really encapsulated what went on that series. If you look at the overall stats after the game, Jokic had more offen- had the same amount of offensive rebounds as the entire Suns team. If, <laughs> if that is the case, then that is an issue. He had 14 rebounds at half-time. It was just like the extra effort plays weren't hey, being dude. made by the other team. And even though KD got his and Booker got uh, uh, to an extent I can't remember what, how many Booker yeah no they both had good games 19. they had good games there was still <clears throat> just little sloppy things that they needed to improve like the extra effort plays to try and you know stop those offensive rebounds and get more boards the, turn, the, turnovers. the turnovers and the steals were mental I think mm-hmm. it, there were so many Nuggets players that had like two three steals each and I think it, was, it ended up being 14 to four. If a team's getting 14 steals on you and you're getting four on them and they're crashing you on the balls as well, you're not winning that game. And KD, even though he had a big game scoring-wise, he had seven turnovers himself, which is just not good enough. And does it come down to maybe, as Louis said, the fact that just having more guys means you can keep that level of intensity up as opposed to the Suns, where when if you're Kevin Durant and you want to be scoring mainly, but you're also your team's best defender, it just does wear down on you over the game. And these little plays are then what makes the difference. If that's the case, and you have Jamal Murray, if he can be consistent like he like he was, or be consistently great like he was that game, then I think the Nuggets are going to win the series. Mm. So, so some things definitely have to change for the Suns and they weren't my pick as well because I did think that you know KD and the scoring of book would carry him over the line but 
if they can't work these things out, then that's just not going to be the case. I mean, like I saw this and I saw you guys like, talking about it in, in our chat that we've got. And like uh, Sam's mentioned here, Booker played 40 minutes out of the last six, still nowhere near. I assume with the last six to go, the game was done. Like they're not going to take Booker out when there is a chance. I haven't seen no, it. No, it's done. Yeah, it's, it's all yeah. done, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you, you're going to, you're going to sit, you're going to sit Booker out for it there. The whole, it does seem a bit of an overreaction in terms of. I get it yeah. was a drumming, but it's what the Nuggets were meant to do. Like you win your home yeah. games, so it's I not that it, deep. I don't think. I think it was just the way they did it. So, so, so say for example, and I'm not saying the way they did it means they're going to win the series. It's just there was things that you there was more to critique because if it was just a game where you know Jamal Murray had a big game like he did, but also Jokic uh, had a huge game because Jokic, even though. It was kind of like the game before, the closeout game against the Timberwolves. It wasn't as bad stat-wise, like shooting-wise, but he didn't. He wasn't as efficient as he usually is, but he did put up the numbers and had that massive rebounding game, which I think was the thing that stood out the most for him. It was just there was other... The ways in which they lost the game and lost it so convincingly were, were the concerning parts. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a couple of things I would like to... To mention in there, I, I don't want to go like like George. I don't want to overact too much on the game one. Yeah. I think there's obviously a bit of a danger of that because the only evidence we have of this series is of this one game. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the stuff that I thought about the series going into it because I picked the Nuggets when we did the bracket. And reason I thought was because I don't think the Suns have enough guys, which I think kind of came to bore here. Um, defensively, KD is going to be the best defender of that team. That's a lot to ask of him. Again, he was doing dog's work. Not even just mentioning that um, offensive rebound situation where Aiton was doing nothing. I think there was another particular play where KD does like an immense block on Jokic. Like it's a really good block. Um, and then Jokic gets the rebound again and um, puts it up again, gets the end one because Bismarck beyond both out. It's kind of a bit like that. Yeah. It just feels like he's having to do a lot on that end. And I still don't think he's... I mean, he's not playing badly on the offensive end, but I don't think he's playing to the fullest of his potential it's a lot, it's on the a lot team. To ask, yeah. yeah, they've not played many games together, which is one of the big reasons I didn't really fancy them either. Um, I will say, first couple things, uh, I think that they're kind of a bit too reliant on the mid-range, the Suns, and, that, and it kind of makes sense when you think about it because KD, Book, and Chris Paul, when he's on it, are all you know mid-range specialists, but... I think when uh, they're giving away as many extra shots as they are in terms of offensive rebounding, like Lewis mentioned, the turnovers as well, they're going to have to take some frees. I mean, it would have been a miracle if they won this game, honestly, because they gave up so many extra shots to Nuggets and they're not taking the volume of three-pointers to try and keep up with them as well. Well, I mean, but, you're looking at that. You know. that's, 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 that's Booker Paul and Kevin Durant, their three yep. points. They, took, they, they made two. They made two three-pointers as a three. Yeah. Jamal Murray made more on his own. So it's like, yeah, you, you, yeah. you're right. In today's NBA, it's impossible like that. Six threes, wasn't it, for Jamal Murray, I think it was? Um, yeah, six to ten, I think you were. Yeah. Aaron Gordon also had a bit of a game as well. Also. Yeah. I think not, but another, yeah, I mean, going on to the point of not having enough players, um, I think when Jokic was off the court, um, that the Nuggets extended or like, yeah, they were like nine plus, points. I think they were a plus nine, yeah, without yeah, you know, the call, which, which is, is pretty if, massive. Yeah, and if you looked at what the Nuggets team was like last last season when they're in the yeah. playoffs and got bounced, if if someone, loads of people have done it, where they put a side by side about the players that were in that series getting serious minutes for them and where they are now, and then you look at the team they've got now, the whole squad is so much better than it was, 
And if yeah. they can keep pace with or push up while Jokic isn't on the floor, then it's just a massive bonus to them. But as I said before, if we can see more intensity from Aiton and some of the sloppiness taken away out of the Suns game, you'll be close. Then I think, yeah, then we'll definitely have a series on our hands. And as you say, that's just one game. So, yeah, next game that could happen. They could steal one. And then you're looking at it and saying Suns stole the game with the Nuggets at home. They're looking like the favourites and, the, and they might go through. So they probably will go through if, if that was the case. But we'll just yeah. have to wait and see how these things turn out. I do agree. I think those, obviously, those two games in Arizona are going to be pretty key. Um, but I think this this was kind of confirmation of what I thought going into the series. Oh, shout out a little KCP, a little Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown was really good in this in this game as well. Yeah. And um, and Braun. Braun's been really quite important to them as well. So, I mean, I've just reeled off free from the Nuggets yeah, here. Yeah, I yeah. couldn't even tell you. I couldn't even tell you someone from the Suns that actually done something. Well, the Suns are giving Shamit minutes in a playoff game. So, it's yeah. sort of saying everything. But he won't even get minutes towards the back end of the regular season. So, um, it, there is some, uh, again, I've said this before. I don't think that anyone's going to have a lot. I mean, if I get swept four out, there's probably going to be some calls for concern. But it, the Suns were in a, <laughs> no, I know, I know yeah. they're not going to. But the Suns were in a precarious position where if they won, it, it was like, oh my God, you've got Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and you've won. Oh my God, congratulations. But if they lost, it was going to be, they've played like 15 games together. Yeah. They've got an easy it's, out. They've got an easy it's out. It's for next week and really. stuff like that. So, um, there is, like, like I said as well, for me, this series will depend on game three. And if the Nuggets get that initial steal in their court, and then that's going to be where this series just is, is made and matched from. I fully expect the Nuggets to go 2-0 up. I don't think anyone will be expecting the Suns to necessarily come out, especially with the whole thing that everyone knows of going and playing away in Denver and everything like that. I think this will be seven will be in Denver. The game that seven will be, will be in Denver. Yeah. It, that, that's going to be the thing for the Suns is still in a home court. Yeah, you yeah. just—it's it, one of those things though. Where you can never count out Kevin Durant or Devin Booker. Basically, like you, I can say, I fully expect that the Nuggets to go two up, and I do. But you know, any given yeah, night, yeah, Kevin Durant yeah, or Devin Booker yeah. could drop fifty on them. So yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, th- this is the the beauty of the playoffs and what we've also seen so far. Uh, quick one from Sam Clippers are similar mm-hmm. to the Suns in terms of mid range shooters, Westbrook and Kawhi. The sounds the. But the sound, I, I want to assume you've said Suns, the Suns, yeah. the Suns yeah. are more efficient, so they edge. And with Denver, they have a lot more three point shooters. And that's just that that's the issue at the moment. Not necessarily is the be all and end all, but it just necessarily is the issue with this current Suns roster and how it's sort of currently built around him. I think it will change next year in the offseason when they know that CP3 has got one more year in him, maybe at a push. And then you've got KD and Booker, they're probably going to look to move. You know, like you said, Louis, they're probably yeah, regretting I mean, playing him, but it's, it's what it is. Uh, yeah, it depends what you get back from, really, at the end yeah. of the day. I mean, I, I know he's not playing great, but no one's questioning he's not high. Yeah, no yeah, one's questioning yeah, I, isn't a player there, but it's more, it's not to the extreme of which the Ben Simmons case was in Philly, no, the Hawks, no. but there but, might be a case that comes across where it's just like they need to move away. It just, it does get to a point though, is, is he not get like sort of annoyed with people sort of talking about him well, like, yeah. or like the lack of aggression that he should like? He's That's getting clowned thing. on, <laughs> yeah, it's what it's what motivates the player. But you look at the last series against the Clippers, and Aiton did have a couple of games where you know this. Same thing we said. I think we said it as well in a previous podcast. But overall, in that series, I did think he upped the intensity quite a bit in some of the games, and to the point where it would be not serviceable, but it wouldn't be as much of a problem 
Yes, it was in that game one. Like if he, if if it, if it plays out like the Clippers series did, then I would say it should be okay. But because the Suns are not the Suns, because the Nuggets are just a much better team than the Clippers are, you know, maybe you can't afford to have the two games that he had in the Clippers series. Because if that game's game three at home against the Nuggets, and that's what pushed the Nuggets over the line, then you're probably done for. So. I don't want to be too harsh, but at the same time, if you have championship aspirations, you have to pick up on these things and and sort them out when you're playing against the level of competition that you are. Yeah, indeed. Um, Right, we'll move over now to the other series. We'll talk about Miami and the Knicks. Miami still being the team that is upsetting everyone, even though the Knicks are doing very well. Um, I don't think... Well, I don't think a lot of people necessarily would have thought game one, MSG the Heat are going to come in and take mm. it. I think the, the Knicks coming through with that momentum that they carried from beating the Cavs in a pretty dominating manner, I would say. Um, it, this may have been a surprise. Obviously, the Miami Heat still without Tyler Hero, so literally is name mainly Jimmy Butler. But by the looks of it, we've got a Carl Lowry or Remontado. Oh, it was a game. It was a game. Uh, it looks of it, it was a Carl Lowry Remontado. And, you know, Gabe Vincent's been streaky throughout the regular season he's shown that he's got qualities but never to sort of necessarily be like yeah i'm gonna put 20 up tonight um is this more of that it was miami being really good or the knicks being bad where is the sort of in between would you say from this game i don't know if it's a case of good or bad i will say about the gabe vincent thing he was actually doing absolute bits at the start of the game he really petered out but at the start, he was kind of the guy for like the first quarter or so. I think. But that, that's what like, you'd want, surely, though, because you want to. You, yeah. Jimmy can't do this every like he can't do it for forty-eight minutes a night or whatever he's playing. Yeah, you can save just, him towards the back stretch, and you have guys that get hot yeah. early. That's what he Miami just ended up. He ended up six and sixteen, but he was five and twelve from three. So you know, most of them are the three-point shots and three-point percentage wasn't that bad. And actually, that is a good point. Kevin Love hit a couple of big shots in that game as well. He gave some some decent production that. We didn't think he was really going to be able to give them when once they got him, but this was kind of a another one of those. Whenever the Knicks are in a game, it seems like it's just a really gritty series. And I think towards the end, the game just started kind of going away from them a little bit. I think it was around where it was in the seventies to the eighties where you started to see. Miami take over a bit and then when it got from the 80s onwards there I think they you you see that sort of position and you look at Jimmy Butler and you think yeah you know what they're here they've got probably got the chance to take this home now um the way I thought I my internet went then no no I mean the series was not one I was particularly looking forward to for the ways that you mentioned it's kind of the complete opposite to the Kings the the, uh, the Kings Warriors where it's like beautiful fluid offense you know everything's <laughs> and then you got this and it's just a, it's like a rock fight it really is but in a weird way that's also kind of entertaining um, and obviously I, I said it last if there's anyone to go into MSG and and rip the soul of that out soul out of that arena and not really care about the um, outside influences that it's, Donovan Mitchell seemed to maybe get affected by a little bit. It's obviously Jimmy Butler, but I do think this was the Carl Lowry game. He really closed it out for them in the end when, I know you said Jimmy didn't, like, I, I'm not sure if he'll play the next game, but for the last couple of minutes there, he was like a decoy. He was like, yeah, they didn't lose him. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I know I said before you looked at Jimmy, but I just remember he was but he's sitting in the corner for the end of the yeah. game because he couldn't really move. Yeah, so. yeah, he was looking a bit sick. So I'm a bit, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll see, we'll see how that goes. But I wouldn't be surprised if they sort of look back and they're like, well, we got one 
at MSG. Um, we split the series there and we can make sure and get him right for game three and then we can go on from there. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens, but obviously there's no Julius Randle here and, with the, you know, I've got a mixed relationship with Julius. Uh, sometimes <laughs> it's a bit too hearable, but I think he could have been used here a little bit. And they've done a good job with Brunson, I do think. And at 11 23, 25 points, not too bad a game. But they've done decently in sort of like building a little bit of a wall around him defensively, trying to force the ball out of his hands a little bit more. And Josh Hart there, he says 5 12, which in isolation you wouldn't think is too bad. He went 0 for 4, which is kind of unlike what we've seen from him in the playoffs uh, from three point range anyway. He hit a couple air balls, in fact, which. Again, kind of sucks the air out the arena a little bit. But I think, I mean, if Julius Randle's not going to be there and he wasn't really looking right in the last series anyway, um, I think you're going to need a bit more from a guy we haven't seen all playoffs actually and who was, you know, in running for six man of the year anyway, which was Emmanuel Quickly. He would go through stretches of games in the regular season where he's looking like the best player on the court and it's just not been the same since the past. And I'm not sure why that is, why they haven't been able to get him going or why he hasn't been able to get himself going. Maybe it's not a systemic issue and more, you know, mental. But, you know, I, I, positive to take from this, I would say is that um, RJ Barrett, you can see there, had himself quite a decent game. And I think he's kind of getting his mojo a little bit back. He's not, he was never, I don't think, the role player type of mentality player. He's, been the best player in, I think, every single basketball. I mean, most of these guys can say that. But yeah. him particularly, you know, he was the best, our best, like, highest uh, high school recruit. Obviously played with Zion and Duke, which brought another level of pressure to it, which, uh, and another sort of complex situation where he wasn't the best player there. But if you know what I mean, he, I've always had some, a bit of RJ Barrett stocks because I do think he's got a right, the right mentality to be this type of guy. It's just that the shot has never really quite developed for him. And the shot didn't develop for him here. I'm not denying no, it. No, I it's think not he can develop for him. It's not developed, it seems, the entire playoffs. But no. I, 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 I'm in agreement with you, Louis. I have a little bit of yeah. love for an RJ Barrett. There doesn't seem to be much love for him from any of the Knicks fans that I seem to speak to. But I do sort of... I, I, I quite like him. It's just that he should... I think there'll come a time where he'll realize that the three point shooting forte just isn't going to come for him. And yeah, mm -hmm. he can hit one or two every now and then, but the volume he takes is necessarily not as efficient as he probably yeah. could be. Yeah. And that'll, that'll adapt and change. But for right now, how this Knicks team's set up, it's sort of what he needs to do as well. And that's a good segue as well into another point, which is that the Knicks only hit seven threes this entire game. So <laughs> yeah, well, Jalen Bronson went Island seven, yeah. Yeah, in the in the modern era, if you told me by the end of the game only one team only hit seven threes, I'm like, oh, well, yeah. it was more if if you told me the Miami Heat almost doubled the amount of three point shots that the other teams, yeah, exactly. you'd be like, yeah. what on earth has happened? And I think Louis made a good point as well, talking about whenever Jalen Brunson was trying to drive in or he beat the first man. The Heat yeah. did a really good job of just packing pack the lane, just clogging it up and making it extremely difficult for him to really get to any spots or get to the rim. And so, in I the games like those that, that happened where it was very gritty, those kind of stopping the easy points is that it really compiles and matters come the end of the game. Exactly. Right. Um, I think we've, we've have we spoke about every series that we've had now. I think that's we we've we're all caught up. Sixers Celtics. Ah, Sixers Celtics. How could I forget about Sixers Celtics? Uh, <laughs> Maybe one of <laughs> I think you're, you're foreshadowing there. The uh, the main one of that. I think Joel Embiid. I did see this. Joel Embiid. I know is doubtful, obviously, with that knee sprain, and that they think it's worse. 
than initially feared, yet he was present at shoot around today. I don't think he'll play this game. I don't think they're going to saw... risk him game. I don't think they're risking game one in the garden anyway. But I saw that he was at shoot around, so I don't know where it's going. But I saw game one and game two. He's not going to play. Which would yeah. make sense in terms of if he's not uh, if he's not one hundred percent anyway, you wouldn't risk him in the two games that you would expect the Celtics to win anyway. So that's that's how I see this. If you, if you want a bit of hope, any uh, Sixers fans out there, there was uh, some great deep diving that someone decided to do on Twitter, and it was uh, and Bean's been listed as doubtful four times. And he played in three of the four times they listed him as doubtful. So what, maybe you're playing one or two. Or is that it was either this season or in the playoffs. I can't remember. Well, one of the I was going to say, if it's this season from playing so playoffs. that man, that if it's if it's from this season, that man is listed questionable pretty much every goddamn yeah, game. It, it was funny because so, they they broke it down into doubtful, questionable, and there was something else, and it was how many times he's been named it and how many times he's actually played. Yeah, I think I think the way in which the NBA injury reports are is like doubtful is you're not ruled out, but you're pretty much not going to play. Questionable, mm. you're pretty much not going to play, but there's a chance. And then there's probable. And even probable, yeah. you can get late scratches. I think that's how it works for it. Um, but in any case, I don't want to delve too much into this one because as well, I know Louis is off gallivanting. So we're going to wrap this one up in a, in a fairly short manner. But just to where we've gone back and arch from our playoff predictions before, give me one sort of little bit of information on how you feel this series is going to go and then let me know your prediction for the six or Celtics. And we'll do this for the four that we've got left and then we'll, we'll wrap this one up. So, Lewis, you go first. Give me a little bit of feedback on what you feel the series is going to be and your prediction in terms of the series. Uh, well, I think we've spoke about it before. Essentially, I just think that the matchup favours the Celtics. I think they've got enough bodies and the, the way they play defence to throw it and bead where Embiid will still, you know, put up his stats, get get his, but over the series it will take its toll on him. And I think overall looking at the two sides, I trust the Celtics core and the people around them to be able to push them over the line along with doing a decent job on Embiid. So for me I would I would say Celtics in uh, I'll give Philly some, uh, some. Well, I'm gonna say some love. Don't pick them to lose. But I'm to respect and say Celtics in seven. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, if I look at it in isolation, and Bead with a dodgy knee coming into a playoff series, I did. I wasn't impressed by Sixers in the last round. If I'm quite honest, I'm not entirely on board with the Harden experience either. I think he is kind of coming to like where he was as a player a bit on the downward slope, shall we say. Not got that same explosiveness to get around someone, not getting as many foul calls, which is how he made his name. Let's be honest, all the spade of spade. Um, and so you, it's a lot of on Tyrese Maxi. I feel like, in the games where Embiid isn't going to play and the games where he does play. I, I, I can see him just not being right as kind of per with Embiid when it comes to the playoffs and not even trying to take a shot there. Just We've just never had a fully fit Embiid in the past, which is a shame, but is what it is. So, and I think, like Lewis said, I think they've got the Celtics are a bad matchup for him. I think they can push him in transition as well, which is another way that you can get the Sixers a little bit because Embiid and Hurt Harden and that overall team aren't going to be wanting to run. And Tobias Harris trying to guard Tatum. <laughs> um, I mean, we'll see how that goes. There's probably worse. There's probably worse people you could get to guard him anyway. But I think I might go for a gentleman sweep here personally. And the only reason 
I am cause for concern and maybe give it a six would be like, I, I'm not entirely convinced by Joe Mazzula coaching the Celtics. I think there were some odd decisions in that Hulk series and that Hulk series shouldn't have gone on as much as it did. But I'll present you this question as well. Is, like I said, posing to you, Embiid not playing that uh, those first couple of games and he's a bit dodgy with his knee, is that really that much of a harder challenge than what they had with the Atlanta Hawks? I think that Atlanta Hawks seems quite good. It's just that they've got some systemic issues coming from Trey. Yeah. But what you're talking, if the Celtics have got an, uh, a much more of a tougher opponent than yeah. the Sixers it, without an Embiid. With like the context of everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah it would be on if... And be you know how well and be if he comes back. So, so my thinking would be misses one game, maybe play the second oh, or misses the second one. I, I, I'd expect the Celtics to win their two home games anyway. So if and B can come back after that and be at least like 90%, maybe it wanes as it goes throughout the series, then I still think the Philly is a harder matchup than the Hawks. The, the the thing for me with this series, obviously Joel Embiid is going to dominate the headlines and his, his health and everything from it. But if, if we play under the assumption that he misses the first two games but comes back like 90% for the Celtic, for, for game three, it's going to be on if Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey play well in that game for me. Because Embiid will get... I know we've had this thing before of, of has Embiid ever had that sort of great playoff series and all of this. Embiid will get his shots. Harden will play well. It's going to be more, and, and I expect the same of Brown and Tatum, it's going to be more on that sort of other unit. And for the Sixers, Harris was good in the net series, but when it's come to these sort of situations, is he going to do the same sort of stat line and play in the same manner that he did before? The same thing with mm. Tyrese Maxey for me. That's where it's going to come down to it, because I don't doubt the quality of those four that I prior mentioned, but it's going to be this issue. And also, we've got the Embiid Al Horford thing back. If he gets locked up by Al Horford at this time, then there's there's no way for it. But um, on my side of things, I, I would have been up. I was optimistic for it, and I'm 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 going to look here. I'm going to say I'm still optimistic in a Sixers game <laughs> seven. Um, but you know, if something don't bet on it is all I'm going to say. Um, right, we'll move on to the other semi-finals. Then uh, we've we've spoken about it already, but we'll just go for a, a quick run up again. Uh, Suns Nuggets, same format. Lewis, give me a little bit on there, and then also your prediction. Same thing for you, Louis. Lewis, you go first. Uh, basically, the Suns need to clean up any of the sloppiness and the turnovers they need to up the intensity and Kevin Booker and Kevin Booker, I just said that. <laughs> Kevin Booker. Booker. Well, I knew something was wrong there, just took a couple of seconds for, it to, for me to realise what I said. Yeah, I need Devin Booker and Kevin Durant to just take their turns, go out nuclear, which they're more than capable of. And hope, you know, Jamal Murray needs to be consistent for, uh, for Denver. They need their role players to, to step up like Aaron Gordon did. And like they did with some clutch steals, and Jokic needs to just play like himself, and we'll have a unbelievable series. I'm not going to stray away from even with that game one. I'm not going to stray away from what I said before the series started. I picked the Suns, so I'll go Suns in six. Because I'm not going to lie, if it goes seven, then I just think Denver are going to win. So I'll just say Suns in six. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of sticking with my prediction that I had prior as well. I think. Denver have a better overall team. And I think the Suns could overcome that if they had had the time to learn how each other plays. If they had learnt the sort of rotations and how it works with these sort of this shallow team that they have right now over like the course of a season, I'd be a bit more confident in saying, oh, the, the Nuggets, uh, sorry, the Suns, um, 
could could do it and they can do they obviously i'd say got slightly the best player in the series but i think Jokic is kind of coming up there um he was great in this in this game and i want him to have his moment more than anything maybe this is a bit sort of like an emotional type of thing because you know what everyone would say if he were to go out at this stage but the Suns were favoured coming into this series, which surprised me considering that the Denver have the game seven in their house. And I think of all all, all the thing, all the advantages that I've said that the De- that Denver have, I think will just bear fruit eventually. I'm, I'm trying not to sort of lean too much on that game one because there will be moments and times if they if I mean if the Suns don't win that game three, that'd be unbelievable. They're definitely going to win that. So I think game four is probably the one I'd look out for more actually. Um, I'm going to still say, I think I said Denver in six, and I still think that, to be honest. Yeah, I think when I did mine originally, I might have said Suns in six. But of, and, and I know I've mentioned that game three for me is the, is the main one. I know that obviously game four is going to be big as well. But um, from what we've seen and then like listening back to what we've spoken about before and then also seeing it happen, there is some actual cause for concern that if Booker, with KD having to play it so well on both ends, if he's going to be capable of doing it consistently in more than one or two games in this series. Mm. So I'm still going to say Suns in six, but I am now being like, oh, yeah, maybe the Nuggets are just going to be a bit too strong for them this year. Um, We'll move on to the other two then. Uh, Heat, Knicks, I'll go first on this one. I do think that this is just, like I've said, I, I... from after the Jimmy stuff, he just seems to be a bit more dialed into it. I think the Knicks will come back hard this one. If Jimmy's a little bit hurt as well, then you're going to see... Yeah. If Jimmy's out of this game, there, there isn't even a debate on what's going to happen from it. But the Knicks will come back with a big response and then it will go again. And this is how it will go. I am going to say Heat in six, just from... And this is on the production, obviously, of, of, a, of a fit Jimmy Butler that's coming into it. Um, but the Heat just seem to be on such a momentum bandwagon from coming off the Bucks game. And Jimmy's playing so well, then it's it's going to go from it. But uh, yeah, what are your two thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I agree with your sentiments. To be honest, I'd say eight and six as well. I just think Jimmy's been the best, or you know, maybe you can make an argument for someone else. But I'd say Jimmy's been the best player in the playoffs. I don't think that's controversial. Most people would say Jimmy's been the best player in the playoffs. And against this Knicks team, and with all the momentum that he have had. I trust them to get it over the line. Obviously, with him potentially missing a game, then I wouldn't say it's going to be too quick a series. And I do think the Knicks do tend to make series and games just quite hard. You're never going to get an easy win. So I'll say Heat in six. I think I'm going to... Actually, no, I'm going to go one less. I think that the Heat might win in five here. Um, I just sort of look around a little bit and maybe the Cavs series has kind of clouded my mind a little bit because they really did crap the bed, uh, the Cavs in that series. But I don't, I just don't, uh, coming into this, I don't, I didn't know how the, the course of action where the Knicks to win a playoff series. I just didn't think they had the level of offense that was sustainable enough to win a, a playoff series. And they, they sort of kind of put that to bed with the, the Cavs. But it comes back a little bit here in terms of what if the um, the Heat, who are probably a better defensive team than the Cavs are, can sort of really game plan against Jalen Brunson. I'm not sure what else they have. And, you know, Julius Randle is obviously a big wrinkle in that, but I'm still a little bit concerned um, about how they'll get the points necessary to beat the Miami Heat, which sounds crazy because we wouldn't have come into this being like the Miami Heat is some proficient 
offensive system that you need to keep up with. But like George said, they've got a wave of momentum right now. So I think this might be over more quickly than we thought. But again, this could be taking way too much from a game one. So we've got Sam saying Celtics in five, Nuggets in seven, Warriors in seven, Miami in five. We have left the last conference semifinals here, the, the Showtime one, the NBA's special, the Lakers Warriors. Where are you going to go with this? Louis, I'll go back to you first. Um, I fancy the Lakers in this one, personally. I think I fancy it in six. Again, I, I mean, it's just a case of... I'm still not entirely sure about this Warriors team, even though they just came out of a grueling series where they've really played some high-level offensive basketball. There's just something about the um, the makeup of this team and how I'm sort of trusting less and less guys as, as the series and these games go by. Um, and it's kind of coming up against sort of like Steph against the world. And, I, I mean, we've got to give some shout-out to Rob Palenka. He's absolutely restructured that Lakers team mid-season. And... Fair enough, I didn't think it was good enough at the time or like something that would really elevate them, but it just has done. Uh, they're just a great overall team now with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So, um, you know, if you've got a great team with those two players, that, that, that can take you anywhere. So I'm going to go for Lakers in six, yeah. Howard? Yeah, I think this is the, the... This and the Nuggets one are probably the two that I'd be least confident in. Well, I think the Suns, you know, I mean, Suns and Nuggets series. I think it all it will come I think the two things it will come down to is one how productive on both ends is AD going to be in this series because I really just don't see an answer for him on uh, on the Warriors side and secondly how much of the load is Steph going to have to carry because if he has to perform like he did in the game seven against the Kings then I think the Lakers will win the series you just can't have Literally, other than Kevon Looney, literally no one giving you production against a team like the Lakers with the vets and the star players they have on that team. I do think Steph's the best player in the series. And, you know, it is the Warriors after all, but I'll, uh, I'll go to the Lakers in six as well. Now, this is tough because I don't want to bet against LeBron but I don't want to bet against the Warriors in these situations. And they've shown, like, even though it was a game seven, even though it was against the Kings, you still thought, oh, it's a game seven. The Warriors get to it. If it gets to a game seven, I'm going to look at the Warriors for it in this situation. It's if the Lakers can stop it from going to a game seven. And it is then dependent on Anthony Davis. And if I'm betting on AD to have good games, (laughs) you're flipping a coin with how he's been performing in the playoffs. He has one good one and then one off night. I do think, though, like we mentioned before, something that we used to rely on with the Warriors with being the strength in depth now seems to be almost in the favour of the Lakers, which is a mental statement where we've seen the Lakers been for the past two years. Um, so I'm go- yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Lakers in six. But if it goes to a seven, then I'm going Warriors. It's a cop out answer, I know. Yeah, but- I think everyone, who, I think everyone who picked Lakers in six would probably agree with that. Though I think if it did go seven, most people would side with the Warriors. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's how we'll be it. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, the Miami Heat making a conference finals <laughs> is the, one of the turnoffs of, and and it will be the same thing with the Lakers. If the Lakers make it with how bad they've been, it's another turn up for it. And the yeah. same with the Warriors. There, there's there's so many narratives that is now going to come out of this season that is is nuts to happen. And that's how good this NBA season has been. How, is that we've just hit the hour mark? 
Is there anything you two have left to say for this one? No, I think we've covered all the all the series. The only thing I'd say is it will be interesting to talk once this season's done. I saw the provisional list of the free agents and the players with player options this year, and it's actually enormous. So yeah. the moves the moves this off season are going to be probably I don't know about the best they've been in a while, but there's definitely going to be a lot to talk about. Indeed, Louis, anything from you? No, not particularly. I, I, I echo the sentiments. It'd be wild to see the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals because we haven't really talked about it much this season because it's just been so putrid. Just like, yeah. and we thought I thought it was all over after they'd um, lost that playing game. Obviously, so it's pretty crazy to see. Like, I, I'm not sure when the last eight seed run to uh, to an East, to a conference finals was, but um, yeah, it's exciting to see. Definitely. It definitely is indeed. Uh, right, there'll be a little bit of a catch-up from when we next record. As we've mentioned before, Louis is jetting off somewhere. So we'll be back probably around late next week just to run through everything NBA, maybe in time for some conference finals. Uh, if you're here on watching this live or if you're watching it slightly delayed or on catch-up and you're wanting some so rare news, I'm going to do a live for this, a live video on this YouTube channel at Swingman Pod uh, in around 45 minutes time, I would say. So I'll put all of that on the socials as well. But for myself, for Louis Halpin and for Lewis Howard. Thank you very much for watching and we'll catch you in the next one. Peace.